All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod. There is another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Professor, thanks for coming on again. It's always a great hour when we talk to you about food expiration dates and other things. How are you? I'm wonderful, Tommy. It's always a pleasure to be with you. And And Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. I hope your holidays were great. Let's talk about, um, I guess, leftovers, since people might have some leftovers. If they still have leftovers from Christmas, I would presume it's time to get rid of them? Not necessarily. Really? And... That um, presents a big point of confusion with consumers, and 90% of us prematurely discard food because we don't understand when it's time to toss it, what poses safety risks. We need, we need a bunch of education on this subject. Let me open the phone lines here, the text lines, the Oakland Art Jeweler Talk and Text Line, 504-260-1870. If you have any questions about food expiration dates, or other things that you should be aware of that can make you sick. I guess it's Dr. Catherine Donnelly, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Professor Emerita of Nutrition and Food Science at the University of Vermont will be glad to answer them for you. I, I see an article here where you did address towels, right, where they do have a shelf life and how many times you should or can reuse these. Well, what I instruct my whole family is, um, you know, if they're used and they're wet, stick them in the dryer. <laughs> and the, the problem with towels is um, the moisture um, is something that helps bacteria grow. So if you take away the moisture, you keep the towels fresh. So is it wasteful to wash a towel after every time you use it or unnecessary? It absolutely is. And that whole, you know, I think we're living in an era of inflation. We're all worried about the cost of things and sustainability. How do we protect our resources? And, you know, getting back to the food expiration dates, 25% of the fresh water in the United States goes to produce food that ends up being uneaten goes into the landfill think about that a quarter of the fresh water in this country wow um and so the same you know thing with towels right it's um in hotels nowadays you see you see little signs saying you know please hang up a towel if you want to reuse it there you know we have to think about this in the context of sustainability when it comes to the thanks the uh, Christmas leftovers, somebody texted in and said they have oyster dressing um, still in their refrigerator from Christmas. Is there a difference when it comes to what type of protein was used, whether it's an oyster or uh, any other type of seafood or or uh, meat, chicken, whatever? Yeah, definitely. And so we divide foods. I'm a food microbiologist, so we just divide foods into high risk and low risk. So foods that contain proteins like oysters, um, we put in the high-risk category because if those foods become contaminated, they can support microbial growth. So, you know, the oyster dressing may need to go. Um, But 
you know, countries around the world and, and food microbiologists like myself in the United Kingdom, for instance, they have a campaign on sustainability, and it's called Look, Smell, Taste, Don't Waste. And so with the oyster dressing, maybe give it the sniff test. If the oysters were raw, they probably need to go. If they were cooked in that dressing and there are no off flavors, off odors, it might be okay. And then the other thing that complicates this is, um, and we've talked about this before, Tommy, is refrigerated storage. And most people don't know what temperature their refrigerator should be to preserve foods. And so I always use my rule of fours, four degrees C and 40 degrees Fahrenheit. And um, the colder you keep your refrigerator, the longer things are going to withstand storage and be acceptable to eat. There are differing degrees of food poisoning, are there not? There are indeed, absolutely. And um, so food poisoning typically is a function of um, foods held improperly. Um, So we always use the example of the picnic. It's a nice sunny day down in New Orleans, right? It's going to be warm in the afternoon. You're going out on a picnic and you leave high-risk foods out in the sun, you know, where it's going to be up at 80 degrees, bacteria like those temperatures. So they start growing some bacteria from your hands. Staphylococcus, for instance, produce a toxin, and that can make you really sick in a really short period of time. But um, generally, the reason we keep foods refrigerated is bacteria that spoil food or make you sick don't like to grow at those temperatures. And so the more that we can keep foods cold or keep them really hot, so foods stored um, in, at hot temperatures above 140 degrees Fahrenheit, um, you keep hot foods hot, cold foods cold, and you reduce the chances of getting sick. I knew somebody once that would eat food that I would not even go near, and they would never get sick. And I just wonder, are some people different than others when it comes to their uh, susceptibility to food poisoning and why can and this may be a dumb question doctor and I, you know it's never stopped me before what well, why can <laughs> like why can like a dog eat stuff out of the garbage can and not necessarily get sick but a human can't right so it comes down to our immune system and i think a lot of us have learned a whole lot about immunity mm-hmm. through the covid epidemic or pandemic so In general, if you are a healthy individual with a functional immune system, so we think of, you know, a college student, right, 20 years old, and their their immune system is primed, and they're in great shape. And so the same things that might make an older adult ill, as we age, our immune system becomes less and less um, functional. And so, you know, when we think about very vulnerable consumers, either infants who haven't developed an immune system or elderly adults in the nursing home, we want to exercise a lot more care for our, you know, elderly adults in nursing homes than we do that college student who has immunity that's going to provide some protection. and the unfortunate irony of that is I would presume elderly people on a fixed income might be more inclined to eat food that they shouldn't that would get them sick. Absolutely. There's a study out of England 
when inflation has been really high, older adults are storing things like, you know, sliced turkey breast in their refrigerator for much longer than is safe. There's one bacterium, Listeria, that can grow under refrigeration conditions. It primarily affects people that don't have functional immune systems, and health officials in the UK have seen an increase in listeriosis because of storing foods for too long because of food insecurity, which, again, is a huge problem in this country as well. Yes, it is. We'll take a break. We come back. We'll get to your questions, 504-260-1874. Dr. Catherine Donnelly, Professor Emeritus of Emerita of Nutrition and Food Science at the University of Vermont, trying to save you some money this year. We all know about inflation, and now they're talking about maybe recession, and a lot of people throw away food that they don't need to, and it's a waste of money and food. 919, Tommy Tucker back in a flash here on WWL. 925, uh, talking to our friend Dr. Catherine Donnelly, Professor Emerita of Nutrition and Food Science at the University of Vermont. We try to inform you, we try to entertain you, and we try to educate you here in the morning, and, and we love talking to Dr. Donnelly because... We waste a lot of food, and this day and age, we want every penny to count. And plus, you know, with the food insecurity all over the world, you don't want to you don't want to waste it. You just I think all of us are taught taught rather as kids just not to waste food. It's just not right. Some of the questions coming in, Doc. Let's get to them. Um, can reheating food at high temperatures kill off bacteria? Yes, definitely. But wait, even if the food is spoiled, spoiled rather, I think that's what they're saying. Yeah, so there's a notable exception, our friend Staph aureus, that produces a very heat-stable toxin. So reheating food that, you know, has allowed staph to grow, that, um, that won't eliminate the toxin and so you, you can still get sick. So that would happen in, you know, high-protein foods. Mm-hmm. But think about... Um, you know, you, you use the example of Christmas leftovers. You know, what if you've gone and bought a bag of spinach and you didn't use the whole thing preparing Christmas dinner? It looks a little wilty. Why not stir fry that spinach or use it in an omelet? So in that instance, the heating of that product will eliminate um, organisms. It's not a high-protein food. You don't have to worry about staph toxin. It's one way you can... Um, keep that spinach good source of nutrients can consume it at an omelet or some other cooked product a gumbo and um, eliminate the spoilage bacteria let's talk about proteins for a second because it seems as though and i got some sandwiches over the holidays little finger sandwiches and i had a choice between deli or i forgot what they called the other top cuts or something where instead of deli roast beef or turkey it was actually turkey that they cooked and roast beef that they cooked and it seemed as though it lasted longer than the deli slice. And beyond that, it seems as though the chicken got gamier quicker than the roast beef did. Is, are there proteins that's, that are more susceptible to spoilage or, or go bad more quickly than the others? Cause, and I'll piggyback this, doctor, with my big giant question. With dry aging beef, I don't understand how that works because it seems like they would spoil it. Walk me through all of that, would you please? Right. So, yeah, we'll break this all down so that um, when you cook a turkey at home yourself, right, that um, product, you've cooked it to the right temperature. So that product started out very fresh. 
Um, it's made of good proteins, provided that it's not contaminated with your hands and kept refrigerated. It can last for a long time, and that's why using that smell test is probably a really good way to go. In the case of deli meats, it really depends on how the manufacturer produces them. And so um, you'll see a lot of labeling. Um, look at Oscar Mayer products, for instance, and I use them specifically. They have very good consumer instructions on their products. Number one, they're formulated with um, chemical compounds that are going to prevent the growth of things like listeria. So lactate and diacetate, if you see those in product labels, it's going to help protect the safety of those products. But they also tell you after opening a package, use within seven days after opening. There are really good instructions there on safety. Most manufacturers don't do that. And then um, when you go to the deli counter at delicatessens or grocery stores, many times you get sliced products. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all-star closer kenley jansen we have a question what's the best podcast of all time Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. But you have no idea... You know, when you got those products, how old they are, what you should do with them. And so, you know, typically things sliced in the deli counter 
last for a shorter period of time than prepackaged deli meats. Um, and then your, you know, top cuts, freshly prepared turkey, that would probably have a, a longer shelf life because of less exposure. So, you know, it really depends on a whole host of factors. But um, again, probably the most important thing we can do with any of those deli products Store them at the proper temperature in a refrigerator and don't contaminate them with your hands. So what about what about the difference in proteins that we can dress it up as beef or poultry or we can just call it what it is, cows and chickens? Are are there differences in in the animals themselves or why is it that poultry seems to go bad more quickly or does it? And how do they dry age beef without it spoiling? Yeah, so get, let's do the the dry aged beef um, question or some of the fermented salamis, mm-hmm. right? The, so you remove moisture from those products, and bacteria need moisture to grow and spoil products. So take the moisture away, suddenly that product has a long shelf life. Some of the molds that you see on traditionally produced salamis. Um, they're edible molds, just like when you eat brie cheese. We don't worry about the mold on the surface of brie, right? That nice white um, robe that covers um, things like brie and camembert. Same with the fermented meats. That nice robe of um, mold is an edible mold, perfectly fine. And the dry-aged beef, again, the lack of moisture and the high salt content in those products preserve it so it can last for a long, long time. Um, So the difference between beef and poultry, again, poultry, you'd you'd look at different organisms that potentially could either spoil or cause those products to um, be a source of illness. And it comes down to how the animals are fed, how they're raised, Um, you know, the and then how those products are prepared before they're consumed. And we've talked about this before. So in the case of beef, if we're talking about a steak where any contamination is going to be restricted to the surface of that product, Mm -hmm. so you throw a steak on the grill, and as long as you're searing the outside, that's a muscle. And so the interior of that muscle is going to be sterile. And so you can consume a rare steak and um, not be subjected to foodborne illness. Problem is, if you're going to prepare hamburger, you take those sterile cuts of beef, run them through a grinder, suddenly any contamination on the outside is mixed all the way inside. Mm. And so when you're cooking a hamburger, you want to make sure the internal part of that burger um, reaches the correct temperature to kill off things like salmonella or E. coli that could be present and contaminating that raw beef. This question comes in. I I ate a hamburger years ago. I got sick. I thought I was going to die. Now I'm very paranoid about eating hamburgers in restaurants. Is there any way to tell if a cooked hamburger is bad? Yeah, so um, there are a lot of warnings on menus that you see that um, urge consumers to, um, you know, ask for thoroughly cooked hamburger. And so most restaurants are really good about, um, you know, preparing well-done burgers. Um, many Many chains, some of the fast food establishments, they will do testing of their ground beef before they purchase that. And so, you know, it's another level of safeguard there. 
So if you like hamburger, just make sure it's well done. You don't want any, you know, red in the inside. And if it's served to you that way, just send it back, ask for it to be cooked longer. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll answer more of your questions. 504-260-1870. The great condiment argument when we return about ketchup and mayonnaise and and mustard and what gets refrigerated and what shouldn't. Somebody texted in. Um, if you bring an unopened bottle, what about mayo that's never been refrigerated? Is that okay to leave out at a picnic? We'll talk about all of that when we return and whatever questions you have at 504-260-1870-934. Traffic now, WWL. Tommy Tucker, WWL 939, 21 till 10. Never enough time with Catherine Donnelly, Dr. Catherine Donnelly, Professor Emerita of Nutrition and Food Science at the University of Vermont. And we're talking about what's good to eat, what's not, not in terms of Ian McNulty good, but what's safe to eat, what isn't, and how can you avoid wasting food. Doc, this question comes in about pork, and that's a protein we've not mentioned and they said, well, why can you then eat a rare beef steak, but you can't eat rare pork if it's seared on the outside? Yeah, and again, there's a lot of confusion about pork. Um, there used to be a problem with the pork supply, an organism called trichina that um, caused a lot of foodborne illness. Trichinosis? Um Yes, yes, exactly. Okay. And um, that has been resolved through, you know, animal health. The vets have taken care of that problem. And so um, you can, you probably don't want rare pork, but you can have, um, you know, less than well done pork and it'll still be perfectly safe. Again, just paying attention to those um, cooked to a certain internal temperature and the USDA the agency that regulates the safety of products like pork um, publishes really good online food safety information. So just paying attention to attention to those temperatures and having a, a food thermometer to test internal temperature, buying um, a, a thermometer to test the temperature of your meat products is a great safety device, good thing to put in stocking stuffers next year we at think, Christmas time. We think our family got food poisoning from orange juice the other day. Dates on the carton were, uh, were fine. Is this a common product that you can get sick from, orange juice? Yeah, there have been um, juice-related outbreaks. And again, it depends. Um, a lot of orange juice in the United States is pasteurized. And so you are unlikely to get sick from properly pasteurized orange juice. If it was fresh squeezed orange juice, potentially there could be a problem. So um, it would really depend on where the product was produced. Probably the safest thing a consumer could do is um, talk to either the store or call the manufacturer where the product was purchased and see if um, anyone else has become ill from, from juice. But juice, juices in general can be a source of foodborne illness. Um, apple cider, you know, we used to go to apple orchards in the fall and get unpasteurized apple cider, and um, that has been linked to outbreaks of E. coli um, illness, for instance. Somebody texted in, I, I think they're saying they volunteer at a food bank, not advocating that somebody does, but volunteer at food bank, we throw away cans that exceed their best buy date. Are we wasting these cans? And if so, how long can you keep the can past that date? 
Yeah, I'm so glad that question came up because it's exactly this type of confusion on date labels of products that leads to the premature discarding of 40% of the U.S. food supply. So a canned food is commercially sterile. Organisms that are going to cause spoilage of those products have been long since eliminated. And so canned food has a long, long shelf life. The best buy means that, well, you know, under scientific conditions measured in the lab, the product held up for that particular length of time, but it doesn't mean that the product still retains its quality long after that. So again, going to published um, guides at USDA or the Food and Drug Administration, both of those resources will tell you that canned food can last a long, long time and is a good source of, of, you know, edible nutrients for people and shouldn't be tossed unless the can is swollen, bulged, you know, has been perforated in some way. You want to throw those things away, but canned food has a long, long shelf life. There is a difference between best buy and and use buy dates? Yeah, but again, um, the use buy typically is used for products, um, again, those high-protein products that we talked about that can support the growth of pathogens. But what consumers should know is both Best Buy and Use Buy really have nothing to do with safety. It's only a quality attribute. And so products labeled Best Buy typically are cookies, crackers, chips that might be a little stale if they go long past their Best Buy date, but they're perfectly safe and edible. Use Buy is um, for shorter shelf life foods, shorter being less than six months. And again, that campaign in the United Kingdom is one that I'm a real fan of. Uh, Look, smell, taste, and don't waste. And so we need to all be cognizant of that. What about fruit um, and uh, ripeness? Uh, Some people like overripe fruit. I I don't like that. Some people like mushy grapes. I don't like mushy grapes. I like them where they snap, you know know what I'm saying? Or some people (laughs) like real mushy bananas like green bananas. Can overripen fruit get you sick? Um, You know, again, um, it really depends on the type of fruit and where it was produced and under what conditions. But um, for the most part, um, you know, fresh fruits and vegetables are something we don't consume enough of and we should be consuming more. And so, you know, if something is in the process of rotting, okay, that's an indication that it's past its shelf life. An apple fresh picked from the tree is going to taste a lot different than one that's been in the refrigerator for a week. But both of those products are probably very safe. When the apple becomes a problem is when it's dropped on the ground and might come into contact with any fecal matter from deer or cows that roam the orchards. You don't want to use dropped fruit necessarily, but, um, you know, most of the fresh fruits and vegetables that we purchase in grocery stores after, you know, if they've been stored a little long, they're probably still perfectly safe. We get this a lot when you and I speak, and I don't remember the answer, honestly, doctor, about bread with mold on it. Is it okay to pick the mold off and eat the bread or eat the slices of the loaf of bread that do not have mold on them, even though others have? Yeah, so um, 
Bread can be a source of foodborne illness, but it's very unusual that that is the case. Um, When we see mold on bread, again, it's an indication that the product is past its shelf life. But cutting that mold off and using the bread that's unmoldy is probably just fine. Most molds that contaminate foods don't cause harm to consumers. But again, it's probably so in the case of bread, if you live in a warm climate, store it in the freezer and stick it in the toaster before you're going to use it again, or stick it in the refrigerator. That'll um, prevent the fast mold growth. This is an interesting question. I made a New Year's resolution to start bringing my lunch, brought some, uh, bought some deli-cut ham over the weekend, went to make a sandwich this morning, and it had a rainbowish slime to it. Is it yep. bad? What's going on there? So that, yeah, so that's our friend Lactobacillus. Oh. It's um, a harmless organism. But again, if you're seeing visible slime growth on something like a deli-cut ham, it means the product's spoiling, and you really shouldn't consume that. So you might next time you might want to think about how that product's being stored. Did it sit in the car for a few hours while you did other errands after you purchased it? But yeah, anytime you see slime or mold on products, it's probably a signal that, yep, time to let this go away. Is it is it better to get because I don't get deli meats anymore. I don't like the preservatives in them. I don't like the slime that develops. I don't. I don't like the the rainbowish sheen or whatever you want to call it. Um, is, is there a better way to get cold cuts than having them sliced at the deli counter? Yeah. Again, the um, prepackaged items that are available, you know, and where sealed. bacon is sold and yeah. sealed exactly. Um, you know, when I'm dealing with um, people that are undergoing chemotherapy for cancer treatment, for instance. If they want to consume deli products, that's where I send them. It's like those products in the manufacturer's hands are produced to a standard. There's a lot of testing that goes in, and they also have been reformulated, so they inhibit the growth of things like listeria. So much longer shelf life, um, much safer product. Somebody else texted in about cutting the mold off of cheese. And how do you, you know, and some of these cheeses, not to be uh, silly, but they smell so bad. I don't know how you would tell when they're bad and when they're not. <laughs> oh, we're going to have to bring you to Vermont and give you a cheese Apparently tour. So. Those, yeah. The stinkers are, once you get past the odor, they're really delicious. But yeah, so. Um, <laughs> is, that the, is that the marketing statement? I hope not. Once you get past the odor, <laughs> they're really delicious. <laughs> well, yeah, they they let you know that they're there. That's for sure. Okay. But what <laughs> but about they're eating wonderful. it? Yeah. So so again, cutting mold off of cheese. They're acidic foods, right? There are bacteria that, as they grow in um, in cheese products, well, you know, think about our our cheddar cheese product that most people are familiar with. That's a very acidic product. Um, when the molds grow on there, they're typically harmless, so cutting them off um, is something I do. It's perfectly fine. You think of a product like Parmigiano Reggiano. That product has such a low level of water and a lot of acidity and a lot of salt. It's going to last for a long, long time, um, months. 
you know, occasionally you'll see mold cutting that off and using the rest of the product is just fine. And and that leads us to our final question, which is, does the acidity in tomatoes help to preserve food such as pasta sauce made with Italian sausage? Yes. So, again, um, any low pH product contains a lot of acid. It's going to help preserve that food. So, absolutely. All right, we got to solve this debate, the great ketchup, mustard, uh, condiment debate. And ketchup, mustard, man, as which goes in the refrigerator, which doesn't. And what about the person that texted in and said um, about a jar of mayonnaise that uh, was not open, but they opened it? What about mayo that's never been refrigerated? Is it okay to leave that out at a picnic? I guess it goes to whether or not it's been opened, right, Doc? Right, exactly. So, you know, when you buy mayonnaise in the grocery store, it's all sitting on an unrefrigerated shelf, right? right. So if it's not opened, it can be stored at room temperature, Again, paying attention to what the manufacturers recommend on the labels. So, you know, Hellman's mayonnaise, for instance, after opening, they recommend refrigerated storage. But the thing to remember about mayonnaise, it is preserved with vinegar or citric acid. It's an acidic product. And when, again, back to our, you know, best buy or use buy, um, commercially prepared mayonnaise has a long use, you know, best if used by date, so maybe a year. Um, that product, it, again, the preservative systems keep it in good stead, but those dates also build in the manufacturers. They assume a period, that the scientific term is a period of transitory abuse, so that's when you bring it to the picnic, right? Quickly, quickly long, we're running out of time, yeah. Doc. Ketchup, mustard, do they go in the refrigerator or not? Yeah, it's probably a good idea. Peanut They'll butter. just last long. Uh, yeah, another good idea. It'll it'll last longer in the refrigerator, uh, so you don't, you know, throw it out. I just right? wanted to get that in because we're running out of time. Thank you, Doc. I appreciate your time as always. I really do. Oh, it's always a pleasure, Tommy, and have a wonderful new year. You too, Doc. Thank you, Dr. Catherine Donnelly, Professor Emerit of Nutrition and Food Science at the University of Vermont. It's 9.53, 7 till 10. We'll find out what Newell's got coming up here on WWL. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 